The Gospels are the accounts of the words and works of our Savior Jesus. It's there that we learn of the acts of love that mean for us forgiveness and everlasting life. Join us to study one of these Gospels, the book of Matthew. Read a chapter and then listen in as our pastors from Grace discuss the marvel of God's words to us. We hope that you listen to Jesus' words and that with us you grow. Here's another discussion on a chapter from the book of Matthew. Welcome back to another episode of Most Certainly True Podcast. I'm Pastor Brian Hockman and here with my colleague, Pastor Aaron Strong. How are you today, Aaron? I'm doing wonderful. How are you? Doing very well. Good. We're continuing our journey through the, the book of Matthew, um, and uh, on the agenda today is Matthew chapter 7. Um, if you are jumping into the middle of this series, maybe we recommend uh, going back and listening to the previous six uh, podcasts where we've been um, hopefully giving some encouragement to people. Let's spend some time in God's Word together. Let's talk a little bit about what you might have found uh, in a chapter a day through Matthew. Uh, or you could just listen to chapter 7, and and that'd be great too. Um, pause it and, and read through chapter 7 if if that's the way you've been using these podcasts, and, and then come back and hear us talk about what we've mutually read. Sounds good. So we're continuing through and, and actually wrapping up the tail end of Jesus' famous Sermon on the Mount. Am I right in saying that it's famous? Yeah. I, hope I like it. Hope I mean, it's, <laughs> it's famous in my my eyes, right? I don't know how famous it will be to every one of our, our listeners. But, uh, you know, it's a well-known sermon. And and actually, it's it's interesting as you read through it, you, you maybe have recognized some of the snippets of, of phrases and things because I think... Um, we we just use a lot of these phrases generally. Sometimes people pull them out of context. <laughs> but uh, there's a lot of kind of well-known sayings in these chapters that maybe you've run across. And, and again, in chapter 7, a few of them here for us to, to look at too. Yeah, we, we made note of that in chapters 5 and 6, that uh, each in each of those, that you probably, if you're highlighting memorable passages, probably either already have have several of those passages highlighted or maybe... Um, that's what you'd be doing now. Um, and we start off, chapter 7 doesn't disappoint in that way either. It, it has several memorable verses. Um, starting off with verse 1, maybe a, a passage that's often quoted. Uh, maybe it's misquoted more often than, than quoted in a proper context, or misapplied might be a better way to say that. Um, Do not judge, or you too um, will be judged. Um, how have you taught that passage when when people have asked you that or or when they have quoted it and right. you get the fun job of well let's talk about what that passage really means exactly you know that's <laughs> it's one of those that that kind of came to my mind when i just mentioned these famous passages or these well-known passages that people like to use and and this is one that i think we often mis misuse misrepresent i think um, because, well, I mean, from the very face of it, it says, do not judge or you too will be judged, right? And so Jesus is saying, don't judge others. And and so oftentimes a person will say, you know, uh, maybe one who has been judged by someone will will retort, well, don't judge me. You're not supposed to judge, right? Um, well, it kind of depends, I think, on what the situation is. And and I think the challenge is, is Jesus is speaking here from from sometimes a selfish, sinful motivation and judgment that we can often have of the judging that we might do because we don't personally like someone or something that they've done or I'm offended by it or 
um, this is how I think you ought to live your life or do things, right? Um, and it's really that kind of judging comes from a purely inner thought, and, and this is how I want things done. Jesus says don't do that because oftentimes that's sinful, right? Um, but what it, we do as Christians have is we do have to sometimes make judgments based on the really clear teaching of God's word and what he says about how we ought to live our lives. So if I maybe will address a sin in somebody's life, I'm judging in the, only in the sense as I'm holding up that person and their actions up to the standards of God's law and what he said. And so it's, it, it seems judgy in that way, but we're not really judging as much as just declaring this is what God desires for your life and this is what God says if you're not living that way. Um, I'm not necessarily personally judging you as a person, but I'm announcing God's judgment and his way to you. So to differentiate between those two, do not judge in a sinful way, but we still do need to hold ourselves and others accountable to the standards God has set and let him ultimately be the judge of a heart and of repentance and and that kind of stuff. Yeah. That was a long explanation. Oh, I liked it though. It was good. (laughs) Later on in this very chapter, Jesus says, by your fruits, talking about false prophets, by their fruits, you will know them. Um, so he says, judge, judge those false prophets on the basis of my word, on the basis of my truth, determine whether this prophet is a true prophet or a false prophet. Um, yeah, the context here, um, like hypocritical judging, right. when he says, uh, if you've got a plank in your eye, it'd be really silly and make you look really foolish to start pinpointing the specks that you see in other people's eyes. One, you won't be able to see them properly. Um, and two, how foolish. I, I mean, a ridiculous picture, right? If you've got a two by four in your eye. Yeah, wouldn't be, that be crazy? To be going around <laughs> and saying, uh, what? I think I see a little speck there. You should probably take care of that. Right. Like... Come on. <laughs> exactly. And that's often how we'll judge, though, is is hypocritically, you know, is I have my own issues in my own life. Uh, but we're very quick to point out everybody else's issues. Right. So take a moment to reflect on who I am in God's eyes and, and start there. Maybe coming up with a few examples might be helpful. Suppose uh, you're a person who is known for having a, a foul tongue and, and you use foul language and coarse language. And then you go around, you hear someone who's not normally prone to that says one word that maybe they shouldn't have. And if you're the one to jump on them and say, hey, you better not be talking that way, how's that going to be received? Well, yeah. you're the one with the plank. <laughs> you're the one that is known for um, this particular vice or or uh, sinful behavior. So then to go around and start telling other people to live in a way that you haven't chosen to live publicly yourself uh, it's just not going to re- end in the results that you want, and it's going to make you look ridiculous. Um, I mean, you could you could fill in the blank of any other vice or sin like that. Yeah. Um, so when you try to judge people by a standard that you're not willing to judge yourself or, or demand that people live in your presence by a standard that you don't hold yourself to, um, then you've become the hypocrite. You've become the, the fool uh, in this context. In no way is God saying, it's Jesus saying, don't ever hold people to a high standard. Don't ever um, encourage people to live according to my ways. Um, he's not saying don't ever judge. Don't be the foolish judge that that looks like the fool in the way that he holds them to different standards than, than you hold yourself. 
Right. He's really, and this just ties right in with, with everything else Jesus has talked about in this sermon so far is, is, is really, this is a sermon about letting your Christian light shine and what Christian living looks like. And, and this fits right into it. D- don't judge, but instead let your light shine in, in how you're, and how you're living your life. Um, get the plank out of your own eye first so that you can be a light to other people. Yeah. Then more familiar words in the next section, ask and it will be given to you. Um, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be open to you. Probably a passage that um, you've got on your heart and mind or or maybe even uh, hanging on your wall on a piece of artwork. Um, a, a pretty familiar passage again. So does that mean that if whatever I ask of God or seek from him, he'll give it to me? Does it? Hmm. I don't know. I'm asking. <laughs> That's not been the way it's worked for me. Yeah, God doesn't answer every prayer uh, in the affirmative. He doesn't answer every prayer with a yes. If I pray for for a million bucks, um, He's yet to answer that prayer for me. Right. So, what does this prayer? What does this? Uh, these words of Jesus mean? What do these words of Jesus mean? Um, I think really you get the idea of it in the the next verse and says, which really just describes the the way in which God gives good gifts, like a father gives good gifts to his, his children. God is our father. He gives good gifts to us. Now, like you mentioned, if, if I were to ask or you were to ask for a million dollars, doesn't mean God's going to answer that in that way, right? But when we seek God, when we turn to him as our provider and the one who gives us all things and trust in him, we're going to find that he does bless us with just what we need. Um, just like we pray in the Lord's Prayer, give us this day our daily bread and, and, and those petitions. God's going to give us what we need, and he's going to give us good blessings because that's that's who he is and, and how he loves us and cares for us. Yeah. So when we ask things in accordance with his will, um, he loves to answer those things. When we ask him for spiritual boldness and strength and strength of faith and um, when we ask for spiritual blessings, those are those are our prayers that our God loves to answer. And, and we know that when we ask for those things, um, he will answer. Absolutely. Um it's interesting in that in his the examples that he gives um he verse 11 sometimes sticks out for people as as a, <clears throat> maybe strange if you then though you are evil know how to give good gifts to your children how much more will your father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him um evil seems like a harsh assessment uh, that Jesus makes but the point that he's trying to make here is you're you're a sinner. You're imperfect in every vocation that you have. Um, even the best of earthly fathers is is not perfect. Um, but how much more will the perfect father, will our perfect heavenly father, who knows all things and has access to <laughs> all all things as God Almighty, um, if if it's a given that a sinful, frail father is going to for sure. Um, give gifts to his children and and make them a priority in his life. Consider how much better it is to be a child of the perfect heavenly Father. Absolutely, it's quite the contrast, but it brings it into a good perspective. And we can't overlook uh, verse twelve, which I think is another really well known passage and, and is often referred to. Actually, has a title to it, right? The golden, the golden rule. rule, right? Do to others what you would have them do to you, right? And um, and actually, that that's a summary statement, I think, in a lot of ways of this this sermon. Do to others what you have would have them do to you. Um, but that is not the, the road to heaven. 
And again, if you probably talked about this in, in chapters five and six with Pastor Hevener, but this whole sermon is very much appealing to the, the follower of Christ already. It's not one that is, oh, I'm, I'm just learning about Jesus, and this is, I guess, what I do to be a Christian. No, these are, this is what it looks like to follow Jesus. This is what it looks like to put your faith into action. And so doing to others as you would have them do to you is not my way of earning salvation, but is my way of reflecting the love of Christ to others. And um, and I think is really, a, as, as Jesus said here, <laughs> is a really good description of what God's law is. Do not murder, do not steal, do not, you know, give false testimony on your father and mother, that kind of stuff, all those commandments. It's all about how I express my love to my neighbors, to the people around me, um, out of love for God. And that's Jesus' point here. Yeah. It's a good tangible way to answer the question, is this loving? Yeah. Well, would I like it if this was done to me? Right. <laughs> if the answer is no, then it's probably not loving. Yep. Um, I was in a, a context once where um, I was working for a, a man who was going to build a garden. And he wanted to have the, this garden with all these trees. And he was going to put a plaque at the bottom of every tree to uh, commemorate or to at least acknowledge every world religion. And it was going to be a quote from the the, the leader or from the, their holy book or whatever. It's going to be this fun kumbaya garden in his mind. Sure. Um, and he asked me what I thought of using this quote from Jesus as the summary passage for Christianity. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk. How about you sit down and we talk about that? There might be a few better ones, actually a lot more better passages. <laughs> like if we want to summarize Jesus' teachings, it's definitely not the golden rule. Right. Um, if we want to summarize what the Bible is about, it's not a self-serving thing like this. It's got its place of the red letters. Jesus spoke them. They're true. Um, but not really. A, uh, this is not the gospel in a nutshell. This is not the summary of, of what the Bible is about. Right. Um, nor is it the way, nor is it what Jesus is saying about the path to get to heaven. Right. Um, so fitting words in their context, but let's not elevate them to be, more than what Jesus intends for them to be. Absolutely. Then Jesus goes on and, and talks about gates um, and talks about a narrow and wide gate and very simply just talks about how we get to heaven and how the the gate, uh, the wrong gate, the gate that leads to destruction is wide and lots of people are going to go through it, right? Just think of like a funnel, right? And the wider the funnel, the bigger the bottom, the, the easier stuff's going to go through. Well, the path to destruction is very, we see that. How many people around our world have rejected Jesus? A lot of people reject Jesus, and they're going through that wide gate. But Jesus says the way into heaven and eternal life is that narrow gate, and not as many are going to find it. Yeah. Reminder, one, to be in that, make sure I'm on that right path uh, through faith in Christ, um, but to rejoice as well um, that I'm, I'm going that way. And maybe a third thing, i got to yank some of the people who are heading through the wrong gate and pull them, start pulling them through the more narrow gate. Yeah. That is through Christ. There's one right way to get to heaven and 10,000 wrong ways. Um, so make sure you cherish it when you've got the, when you've got the one way. Um, this passage helps me to appreciate that, that um, the blessing it is to have been raised in a Christian home. The blessing it is that God chose me from before the creation of the world right. to, to be a follower. And just the warning that I have, I mean, this is just a statement, but the statement to me issues a warning in my heart to not take that for granted. 
to not ever live my life like, oh, no big deal. Because everyone, you know, everyone's got this. Everyone has this blessing. This is just a given. Um, but but no, actually, <laughs> the way this works, the percentages, the vast majority are on the wrong path. Right. Um, and what a blessing it is to be one that, that knows that that Christ has put me on the right path and, and set me towards that narrow gate. So it's such a great reminder, too, just how much work there is to do to to share the good news of Jesus. So other people can be, you know, I just, I just feel like, you know, picture in my mind as you, as we're walking the life of faith and we're going through that narrow gate and you just see everybody else, you know, unbelievers walking the opposite direction. You just want to, you just want to pull them into your line, right? And yank them in and, and we can only do that as we share Jesus with them so that they too can be saved. Yep. I had occasion recently to be in uh, John chapter six, Jesus teaching the, the bread of life sermon and, um, at the end, people are are sick of what Jesus is saying or hearing him clearly for the first time, and it's not what they want, and they start rejecting. And Jesus turns to the disciples and says, are you going to leave too? Right. And Simon Peter's beautiful confession of faith, he says, Lord, to whom should we go? You have the words of eternal life. Um, those words echo in my head as I read this. Um, yeah, there's lots of the, the other gate is big, and there's lots of ways to get through that, but you're the one narrow game. You're the one that gets me where I need to go. Um, and so, no, I'm not, I'm not going to willingly go down that other path. Right. Um, so the next couple of sections seem kind of tied together. Um, talks about, uh, Jesus gives a warning about watching out for false prophets and, and even false disciples. Um, you know, don't, don't fall into, um, you know, they, they, well, he describes them as coming in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ferocious wolves. Right. Um, so watch out for them. Um, I think that's worth noticing. Not every false teacher is coming loud and proud and right. and boldly as the false teacher. Not every um, Satan doesn't operate that way, and neither do um, the false teachers that are driven uh, by Satan's false teachings. Sometimes it's the subtle that's more dangerous. It's the it's the the temptation that looks appealing, or it's the the teaching that sounds pretty good. Um, it's the teacher that has some good characteristics and some good things to say mixed in with with some devastating heresies um, that can be be the most treacherous. Um, you know, you think of idol worship. Yeah, I'm not going to go bow down to a statue. That's not really a temptation that I have. Uh, but elevating things like money or popularity or what other people think about me, um, that's... That, much more easily can become an idol, can become right. something that takes God's rightful first place in my life. Um, false teachers can be the same way. Um, I don't have a problem. I don't. I, I, I don't have a problem with someone coming and telling me, "Let's go worship Satan." No, that's right. No, thanks. <laughs> that's, that's not a big deal to me. Um, not very appealing. Um, but the subtle teachings or or the ideals that are around that can so easily creep into my own thinking. Um, those are the, the wolves in sheep's clothing. Right. Exactly. And the way to, to avoid them or to at least be aware of them is to, to be in God's word and, um, and, and see what the Bible does say about things and compare what, what teachings are. That way we can know, um, what God has really said and, and whether we are following uh, a true or a false prophet at that time. Too. Yeah. By their fruits. What are their fruits? Their fruits are what their teachings are and do their, how can you tell if it's a good fruit or a bad fruit? Um, if it's teaching God's word, then that fruit is good. And then you know that the tree is good too. 
Yeah. If it's not, you know the tree is bad. Absolutely. I love how Jesus ends his sermon then too, and he has this this kind of almost like a short parable um, where he talks about um, a wise and a foolish builder. And, and and this might be a familiar story, but you know the builder who builds his house on a rock. Uh, when a storm comes, he's gonna have a good solid foundation. When the waves are crashing against his house, it's it's gonna stand, right? And then the the foolish builder builds his house on the sandy beach. And so when the hurricane comes and the winds and the waves are there, the the sand erodes away and the the house comes collapsing down. And I think it's a fitting analogy or a fitting parable for the end of this. It's because Jesus just shared all this wonderful wisdom, right? And as we've just walked through. And now we could say, well, that was all good. But I'm going to go on with life and just do whatever and ignore it. I'm not actually going to put it to practice. That's like building on on that sandy foundation. It's just going to get eroded and washed away. I'm going to fall in the ways of this world and and um, flounder my faith. But if I put this into practice, if I am guided by Jesus and I put my hope and trust in him and I build on him as that rock-solid foundation, you're going to be able to weather a lot of the storms of this life. And so that encouragement to put to practice uh, and, and live our faith as, as Jesus encourages us in this sermon. Yeah. And why would a builder build on sand? They wouldn't knowingly do that or intentionally do it, but it's the priorities, right? A beachfront property would be really nice. <laughs> right. um, it'd be nice to be to be near the water, um, or or maybe it's cheaper, you, you know. So it's this, these distracted priorities that cause me to not keep the <laughs> the number one thing of building is I need to have something to build upon. Uh, but if that doesn't become that priority for me, if I let other things distract or or become more important than what I know should be number one. That, that becomes the problem, right? Recognizing number one, build my life on Jesus, um, and then when storms come, I I'll be able to weather them, um, or Christ will be able to weather them for me. Um, yeah, it's a great encouragement and a way to end that sermon. Yep. And then there's I, I found the, the those last two verses to be really interesting. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. Because he taught as one who had authority, not not as their teachers of the law. Um, Jesus teaches with authority. I think that's pretty clear and obvious. He was a powerful preacher and um, and one who who used things that people could connect to. Uh, but just the comparison to what Jewish people at the time were used to hearing. Um, they're used to hearing. Um, a regurgitation of what some rabbi said, or um, I'm going to come and, and tell you I'm from this school, and, and here's what this guy said, and here's why I believe what this guy said. Um, they were used to hearing authorities brought up, and you know, you come into this camp, or or, or I'm going to try to convince you to be in this camp because here's what this guy with authority once said. Right. Um, Jesus comes with his own authority. Jesus comes and teaches not like that, not pushing us to believe something else, but he, he comes with his own powerful teaching and, and his own, um, his own authority. And it's worth noting that that was different than what people were used to. Yeah. I think, I mean, we can walk away being pretty amazed at this as you read these words too. And let's be honest, a lot of, like we mentioned, a lot of the world has pulled out a lot of these great saints of Jesus. Why? Because they're amazed at the reality of the truth behind it too. Um, and But let us be amazed just as much and, and put it into practice in our hearts and lives. Yeah. Here we got a, a great sermon from uh, a great teacher and our great Savior. We know what all his words are. 
most, most certainly true. Thanks for joining us in our effort to read and grow through the Gospel of Matthew. We'd love to share more Jesus with you. Learn more about Grace at our website, www.gracedowntown.org. There you'll find worship times, Bible study resources, links to our digital media resources, our pastor's contact info, and a lot more about our ministry in and to downtown Milwaukee. We hope to connect you to the grace of God again soon.